There's power in a story. Hebrews chapter 11, we've been in that, looking at that. It just by faith, this person did this. By faith, this person did that. By faith, by faith, by faith. It's just story after story of God's faithfulness. And Heath, bro, I'll never forget, I still have it on my phone when Nate texts me and goes, dude, Heath just met Jesus. And I'm like, come on, that is awesome. And he's a crazy man, I'm gonna tell you. Anybody that goes down North Face on a snowmobile is a crazy man, but man, what God's done and Heath and they is a powerful thing. But there's power in a story. And, and that's why I, in Hebrews 11, after telling all these stories by faith in Hebrews chapter 12, the Hebrews writer says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And a lot of times we read through scripture and we miss things, but that, that little word also, that's a powerful word. Therefore, what he's saying, since we've heard all of these stories, he's just shared these real people, real stories from, from history. These, these people that would have read this, they would have known this. Since we're surrounded by all of these stories, let us also run with endurance, the race that is set before us. And here's a crazy thing, guys. We're on this journey. We've started this race. Jesus has... has he started our faith, and what we know is that if he started our faith, one day he's going to finish our faith. And the reason we have this service every single year is because I know that sitting out here, man, there, there are people that, that your story hasn't been completed. There are those of you that, that wish that what you've heard, whether it be the healing or, or how God revived you or, or how he saved a person or maybe redeemed a marriage or delivered from addiction, you're like, I wish that was my story. The reason we have these moments is to remind ourselves of the fact that it's never too late. God's not done. And guys, there's something powerful in a story. Let us also. You see, what Christ has done for all the stories you've heard today, Christ can do for you. That's the hope. I'm gonna close with a story as our, as our choir comes back. They're gonna close in a song. But there's something powerful in a, in a story, and I asked Cynthia if I could share this. About a month or so ago, a lady I'd never met, I mean, we just talked in passing, came to my office. She said, there's something you said yesterday that I don't quite understand. And she said, let me share my story. She shared her story, raised in a home uh, between the, the, the different, you know, mixes of family, about 20, 20 uh, kids. And she said, I, I just have never been told that I have value. She said, in fact, I was... I was told at a young age, the only thing that I would amount to is to be some man's old woman. And she said, even when a neighbor invited us to church, I, I just always felt like an outsider. The, the pastor would actually make a point to, to call me out and let people know that I was from a broken family. To the point that one day when he was giving an illustration with a candy bar, I asked the kids who wanted the candy bars. The kids are raising their hand. He, he handed it to Cynthia and he said, here, you can have this because you probably don't get candy. And she's like, it just felt wrong. Said, I, 
I believed that there was a God, but I was hurt. And I said, I never want to walk through the doors of a church again. So she didn't. And so even when she suffered great abuse and all of that and was told, well, you probably just asked for it. It was just one more thing. Another experience with other, with, with other people that called themselves Christians just left her hurting. And so when her husband said a few months ago, I, I want to go to church, she said, you can go, but I don't want to go. But, but God was stirring Greg and, and he said, I don't want our kids to be raised without knowing about who God is. He said, I feel like we need to go to church. And so finally, reluctantly, she went and they came together and they came. The first Sunday was the first week of our EXO uh, Relationships God's Way, uh, that, that series. And she said, while you were talking, I kept looking at Greg like, did you tell him about our marriage? Because this is weird. She said, as she got in the, the car and went home, he said, what did you think? And she's like, I don't know that I want to go back. But she came back and they came back. And, and so after about the third or fourth time, she's in my office and she asked the question, she said, what you said yesterday, I had to ask you about. She said, you said that God says that we're valuable. She said, no in my story, how can you say that? And Cynthia, I'm gonna tell you, I had to pray, I prayed real quick. I didn't tell you the rest of the story. I, I prayed in the moment because I'm like, how do I answer that question? And fortunately, something came to me and I asked her, I said, said how, how, how do you determine value? She said, I don't know, I guess by what, what you do. And I just read that morning that a guy had paid a million dollars for a football card. And I told her, I said, that's not the case. Because I said, and I told her that story. I said, no, man, I wouldn't pay a million dollars for a football card. But that, that guy thought that card was valuable. I said, what determines value is what somebody is willing to pay. And then we just kind of talked about the gospel, and I love that John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we got to the end. And I said, I know that's kind of going around the circle. It's a long response to your question. I said, but God says you're valuable because of the price that He paid for you. So I said, hey, I said, do you want to you pray here? And she's like, I don't know, not right now. And so I just gave her Ephesians 1 and 2. And, and uh, she went back and, and she, I just said, I want you to read through this, pray through this. I didn't hear the rest of the story until I came in Monday morning. We had a great service last week and man, God just met with us. But there's some days I come in on Monday and I don't like the emails I get, but I really like this email that I'm gonna, I print it off and I'm gonna read this. This is from Cynthia. She said, after today's sermon, I was challenged to write up my test, testimony, my ugly. She said, it sounds easy, right? She said, it breaks down into three parts, the before, the when, and the after. Who was I before Christ? I was lost afraid, angry. If there was such a merciful God, how could he allow certain things? I was abused, hurt, betrayed by the people who were supposed to protect me. But I was careless and selfish. I found my worth in what I could provide physically. Depression, anxiety, I, I was nothing. When I accepted Christ, 
I'd like to say that I found and accepted Christ a lot earlier than I did, but the truth is I ran from him. I'm not worthy of love and forgiveness, so why would he give it so freely to me? I don't have an answer for that question. I've been searching for weeks and sitting in that chair, listening to everyone sing and worship and praise for the first time. I felt free. I'm forgiven. I felt I belonged. I'm saved. Christ loves me. And I'm going to spend my life glorifying God. Who am I after Christ? I'm free. I'm at peace. I'm happy. I'm a work in progress. I'm learning to forgive, my, forgive others, forgive myself. I'm learning that I'm worthy of love. And I find myself praying and talking to God when I'm driving to work or waiting in line. I've found my worth in him. She said, I don't understand why he loves me, but he does. It's no accident that I am where I am. It's no accident that I sat next to two amazing people. I got to tell you this, man. This is cool. They came in late, and there are times in this service, you got to scoot in. We tell you to scoot in. There are times, that's a good thing, because they actually have to, they had to come all the way up to the second row and sit by Tom and Lonnie Anderton. And Tom and Lonnie, I love you guys, and thank you just for loving Greg and Cynthia, and, and they invite them to their life group, and they're part of that. She said, it's no accident that... I sat next to an uh, amazing couple who challenged me to open my heart and listen. It was no accident that my husband opened his heart and realized we needed a change. We needed him. I'm going to be an example for my babies and my family. She said, this is, my, this is a very simple version of my testimony, but in the end, the answer would be the same. The answer is him. Cynthia, thanks for sharing your story, man. <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, I, wish, I wish I could share all the stories that I get to hear as a pastor. The, some, some things I, I, man, I hear some tough things and I cry sometimes. And we pray a lot. But man, one of the greatest things, though, that we get to do is to remind each other that there's no such thing as an impossible case. We remind each other of the fact that God loves us that Christ died for us, that, man, it doesn't matter where we're at, it doesn't matter what we've gone through, that, man, God can reach us right where we are. And listen, man, parents, if you're right here and you're like, man, I wish God would do that for my kid, just keep praying. Keep praying, because you know what? God might not use you to be the one. You don't need to, like, like literally, over Thanksgiving dinner, guilt them and tell them they're going to hell. You know, they don't need that at Thanksgiving. Pray that God will send somebody else like Tom and, Lan uh, Tom and Lonnie. They'll just love them. Pray, because God can reach anyone. And that's why we tell stories. Because stories say, you know what? If God did it for this person, maybe God could do that for me. If God did it for somebody else's kids, maybe God could do that for my kids. If God, if God healed me, may, if God healed them, maybe God can heal me. Maybe, maybe, maybe. God's not done. That's why he says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these stories we've heard, let us also run with endurance. That means that we're, the reason we run with endurance is because we can't see what God's up to. We just know that he's up to something. And so church, I'm here to tell you, I've said it a million times, but as we come to the end of this Thanksgiving service, I just wanna say it again. If you're not dead, God's not done. Say it with me. If you're not dead, God's not done. This time, say it like you mean it. If you're not dead, God's not And it's true. It's true. It's true. You see, what Cynthia said, it's all about him. It's Jesus. It's still Jesus. It's always going to be Jesus. 
and listen to the choir as they come back and sing this powerful, powerful song, I Speak Jesus' 